0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Welcome to Lacrosse and Sport, the show for the fastest game on two feet. Brought to you by Vieira Lacrosse and Sport, Central Florida's premier center for the finest lacrosse equipment, apparel, and training. Now, here are your hosts, Roger Welton and Steve Jordan.
0: Hello lacrosse lovers and welcome back to another episode of Lacrosse and Sport coming to you with my California co-host Steve Jordan. Good evening Steve Jordan, how are you?
2: Doing great, Raj. How are you?
0: I'm uh, you know, excited as always, got a lot of stuff going on. I'm extra excited about our guest tonight. We we're finally able to connect with. I'd like you to elaborate on our guest and let's get started with an awesome interview.
2: Awesome. I'm excited to uh, actually have him right here next to me, Gary Greenbaum, who is a friend. Uh, he was a client, and he is a fellow Laxman, uh, someone who I admire on many levels. Uh, but I really am most proud of him and admire him for his lacrosse acumen, his lacrosse uh, longevity, so to speak. Gary is, is not a young fellow. Gary is, uh, how old are you now, buddy? 72. 72, 72 yeah. years old. Or seventy-two years young, as I like to say in my in my business, and he's out there playing still. He's out there refereeing. Uh, he's a huge advocate for the sport. He's been inducted into the Hall of Fame, and he's someone that epitomizes the lax essence. You know what I'm talking about, Raj? Right?
0: Oh yeah, man, lifers, <laughs> lifers. I know, I know a few of them. It gets in the veins, and it just takes over. So, Gary, nice to make your acquaintance.
1: Nice to meet you, Roger.
0: Appreciate that. Uh, so so let, where did it all get started for you?
1: Well, that's a good question because it's, it has not been a continuous journey, and it was a journey that started late. It started when uh, in 1965 or so when a very good friend in uh, from high school came back from the summer of his freshman year at Princeton with a wooden lacrosse stick in his hand. Uh, I had never seen it before. And I started going down to the fields, to a football field with him, just to throw it around. And that was the end. That was both the beginning of it and the end of it. Uh, I could not stop myself. When I went back for my sophomore year in college, I, you didn't even have to try out because it was the sport was so new. If you wanted to play it, you could play it, at least where I uh, played and that's that's how it really started my my first coach a uh, guy named Ross Sachs who is an unbelievable gentleman and uh, as passionate to the sport as then as I am now and i think that's where it comes from
0: it's called paying it down right yeah
1: boy paying it forward paying, paying it, paying it forward. forward yeah
0: so where 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 did it get started where where was the what was the school
1: Franklin and Marshall College in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, it uh, is now a a D3 school. Back when I played, there were no such things as divisions.
0: Right.
1: Uh, We we'd play Penn State, for example. Uh, What was one of the biggest thrills of my life was playing a game in Beaver Stadium, in front of you know ten people, but whatever. It was still Beaver Stadium. Very cool. It was very cool.
2: So Gary, uh, if you can remember this far back, you know what was the what was the sentiment around you know the the team around that time? I mean, were was it a tight knit group? Were there you know leaders and, and one like individualism? You know, and the reason why I ask is because I love the sport of lacrosse because I've never experienced, and I've played multiple sports, the teamwork and the camaraderie and the the level of commitment you have with each other did you experience that then as well well yeah like you would in
1: almost any other sport but it was at a whole different level first of all you were with guys that were doing something different than anybody no other athletes had this experience you were you were like guinea pigs for in a sense and uh that that uh I don't even know how to say it. Uh, that part of it is what makes it so attractive to this day, although I think it's starting to change a little bit. I think, in uh, at least out here in California, uh, the catalyst was a movie called American Pie. Mm. And there's no question that that generated interest in the sport it was uh, 1999, and that's when we started the middle school program here. In, uh, I had a team in Beverly Hills. And, geez, I mean, the kids, all the guys, and we had plenty of guys who weren't athletes, believe me, but all of them thought they were the coolest dudes going because they were doing something different than anybody else was doing. I remember Paul Carcaterra was doing a... Interview on TV. Paul was, um, I think he was the, he was either announcing or he was the field guy on a game that was actually being televised, and they were asking him about the explosive growth of the sport, and he said, almost quote, he said, I was in out doing some business in in uh, California uh, a couple of weeks ago, and there were kids walking through Beverly Hills with lacrosse sticks in their hands. And to him, like to me, it was just, you know, it was a, it was a uh, telling sign for sure. And I think I, I mentioned this to you guys before, and I don't know if I should mention it again. I don't know how, how cool this is to announce. But from when you started in lacrosse, don't forget, it was the 60s for me. And a lot of stuff was going on in the 60s. You looked at turning somebody else, turning a guy, a buddy, onto the sport, much like you'd turn him onto a rock and roll band that he's never heard before or something else he's never done before. Like LSD? Like LSD, like almost anything. <laughs> so it was really cool to be able to be that person who was doing that. It was, it was very cool.
0: So I remember my moment. It was actually... I was 10 years old, 6th grade. I was a young 6th grader. I was quite a good baseball player, and I was. I went to the baseball meeting, and I was actually on my way to the baseball meeting, and Steve, our friend Dan Ranziniak, you know him well. He's now an orthopedic surgeon. He comes up to me. He goes, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the baseball meeting. He goes, the hell are you going to play baseball for? He's like, dude, play lacrosse. That's where it's at. I never, you know, and and my brother had me started playing because he was, you know, in our town it didn't start till middle school. My my brother had had me playing and throwing and catching. I could do it already, but it just never occurred to me that this was something I was going to make a career of. You know, and uh, the peer pressure. Thank God, Danny gave me that peer pressure because I'm like, okay, well, I'll go to the lacrosse meeting instead. And you know, and then you see all the best athletes are at the lacrosse meeting, and of course you just want it to be cool, right, at the time, and you just want right. you know you wanted to to impress the girls, and it that was my initial. Impetus. Uh, <laughs> did, did you have a moment like that, Gary? Uh, what, what well, like, one thing you could point to, or, you know, that, that one moment? I, I remember it was yesterday.
1: I think it was the moment when I walked, uh, I met my buddy from Princeton, and he had a lacrosse stick in his hand. That, that did it all for me. No peer pressure but, necessary? No, no peer There was no peer pressure, not not at all. But there were, pre, once it got uh, rolling, there was peer pressure on guys that were playing for me. Uh, When I graduated college, I was teaching high school, and I started a team in the high school that I went to. In fact, my brother was on my my team. Uh, He was a student at the time. So I could see both the swagger of the lacrosse athletes as they kind of laughed at the guys that were still playing baseball. I also... (laughs) <laughs> we'll never forget That's how disgusted the baseball coach was that we had started a lacrosse team because of Man. he, I mean, he lost all of his athletes. I mean, it was, it was incredible. So that, that was kind of a moment, for, you know, a moment for me.
2: Yeah. I remember that, um, you know, Roger, you were probably the first one that turned me on to it in your brother's, you know, stick. I remember being in your room. Yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, I was a, a great baseball player and I could switch hit and uh, I was naturally lefty. And I remember when I told my dad I was going to play lacrosse instead of baseball, he was so pissed. He had, he was
0: It was like doomsday. all of our parents were. They were all yep. like, what the hell are you going to do that for? Yeah, he had exactly. no
2: idea what it was. It was like doomsday for him. And well, you I know, think still, still never, never forgot it. In
1: all, in all honesty or reality... I mean, that was always you know a male bonding thing between father and son and and there was no lacrosse, so it was baseball in the spring, mm-hmm. and you have to have a little sympathy for the fathers. It broke their hearts, yeah, because yeah. a lot of these dads really loved the game of baseball, sure, but it was it was a pisser to see him every one of them boy if this was around when i
2: was young i would have played this yeah. for sure well for sure when my parents got when i got to high school my parents i mean they embraced it and loved it and watched you know every one of my games it was a, they were great fans you know and they were they were always there rooting so they became fans of the sport and loved watching it the the other thing that i noticed once i
1: started the team out here in, in california in beverly hills uh, there were four, four guys, myself and three other guys that started a, a league, a middle school league in, in 99. And then it, the following year I started a high school league. So my guys had a place to, to my, my eighth graders had a place to play the following year. Anyway, we were relegated. Uh, it's, it's tough to get fields out in California, uh, even today. And we were relegated to a park, uh, a very small section of a park in in the in the next town over, and I had to beg and just to get that space. I don't remember we played mentally uh, there. No, 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 no. That was, no that, that was that was a different place. And I remember I picked up probably two or three coaches that were with me for the next five or six years. They happened to go to the park. They wanted to do a little wall ball. They had just moved out. And then all of a sudden I see a lacrosse practice. They were over there, you know, with me coaching the next day. So that was a trip too. Yeah. Because you know, he I was I was basically a little bit ahead of the game and was able to offer this to them. It was great. It was a great feeling. It was play it forward, just like you said.
0: Yeah, actually, I said pay it down. You guys corrected me very kindly. <laughs> um, we pay down equipment. You know, you get free equipment right. and you pay it down. But pay it forward. Um, so, talk about fighting old bubbas. I'm in Florida. There's nothing. I, I'm in an area of Florida called the, the Space Coast. It's pretty conservative. You know, a lot. Um, I'm not going to even go political, but very conservative. Uh, there, there. You know, people are. It, there's an old bubbas network here. And, you know, they're so stuck in the traditional sports. And, of course, football rules the day. I'll tell you what's really, really ruling the day these days is soccer. I mean, they're it's becoming so hard to get field space with, with soccer, you know, exploding the way it is. But anyway, long story short, back in 2008, I mean, it was such an uphill battle because you we had the the parents that were – you know, saying what do you, what what do you want to play? Like hell you are, you know. And then you got the ads at the high schools feeling very threatened that it's going to hurt their football program, even though it's a different season. And and God forbid we hurt the track and field program. That you know, it was horrible. And I'm sure I'm preaching in the choir, Gary. But you know, and, and then and then here we are, all these all these years later. And and Steve's been here several times. It's just so in the culture now. It's 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 part of the conversation, and it's expected, and people aren't afraid of it you know and now i think now i think we take off i think i think this is going to be the jumping the jumping board now that the fear is behind us and that, the, that they're seeing the benefit in it especially the football guys that see it as off off season football training <laughs> you know so i mean thoughts thoughts on that now, so i'm sure you've been here done that so many times so at the point that we're at do you see it just really just exploding now
1: i'll give you a shining example Thank the you. best Best program out here of late is Loyola. It's a private Catholic school, uh, excuse me, a Jesuit school. So they've got a, a leg up anyway. Being a private school, they can bring in kids from anywhere, you know. So last year they won the whole deal. It was the first time that a school from L.A. Uh, won the championship between L.A. and Orange County. Orange County was a little bit ahead of us time-wise as far as getting the sport. But the AD at Loyola was not a fan. He was a football guy. And these, uh, partly because of field space, partly because of the politics, the Loyola team practices at you know 6 in the morning before school. Wow. That's when they are allotted a field space. But now that the program has been around since 2003, I think, they came in 2003, now they've got alumni who are not only out of Loyola, they're out of college, they're working, they've been in the working community for a few years, and they're donating money to the school. So now they have to be listened to, money and top. they are being listened to. It's great. Yeah, It's
2: great.
0: still with us there steve
2: (laughs) absolutely i'm just listening
0: oh okay i wonder if you had anything to
2: hear you know the the schools like loyola Um, i remember i went to visit loyola back east in baltimore uh as one of my school options in college and to play there and uh, i remember when i came out here i was doing some training and actually that's how gary and i met met through uh, a a college buddy of mine scott hockstead who was a three-time all-american at maryland and was out here and creating uh, Adrenaline Lacrosse, which is a brand that's, you know, exploded. He sold and uh, he's up and doing some other great things now. And he and Gary were buddies and, um, you know, he was referred to me. So Gary's son became a client of mine. His son was about 15 or 16 and doing exceptionally well in high school playing ball and was uh, definitely a prospect of playing college. So I started training him and Working on his uh, speed, agility, and quickness, strength, and all the good, uh, you know, conditioning skills that you need to play the game. And Gary and I, you know, we struck up a, a great relationship. He became a client of mine, as I mentioned earlier. And then I started playing in the men's league and got reacquainted with the game, uh, which I had, you know, yeah. kind of had been absent from for almost a decade. Um, and it was like riding a bike, you know. And, yeah. It really, you pick it up. I mean, my field sense was not really great. Uh, you know, stick skills weren't great. But what I really saw was the growth of the sport where, you know, kids that were 10 years younger than me doing things that, you know, the greats were doing and, you know, when we were growing up and doing it even better. And, you know, today when we have our camp and I look at these 12-year-olds that have left and right mm-hmm. equally as good, and i got to ask them which things are strong and right. because I can't tell the difference. It's, it's, it's extraordinary to see the growth and the way that the skill development has been created. And it's really a testimonial to, uh, you know, the the participation in, in, you know, younger years, the the education around conditioning and training and playing and, you know, the science of the sport, so to speak, uh, which is, you know, evolved extraordinarily, you know, astronomically. So I'm I'm really excited to be a part of that and, you know, to be here with Gary who has a, a perspective of this sport beyond you or I or anybody really that I've ever met, you know, is well, I don't know. really cool. I don't know about that, but if you want to talk perspective
1: and, and uh, a, a, if you want a visual for growth, uh, my son, I started, I got him a stick when he was probably nine or ten. There was no lacrosse out here. We'd go to the park, and we'd throw it around a little bit, and he got, he got pretty good pretty quickly. And when he was a sophomore in high school, I decided I was going to take him back east to the NCAA Championships in Baltimore. And I kept telling him, you know, he didn't see anybody else playing lacrosse. Very few people playing lacrosse out here. And I kept telling him how big it is back east. And so when we went in we I'll never forget driving in from the airport into Baltimore there were billboards welcoming the lacrosse people from all over the place there were in our in our hotel room we're watching TV there were commercials based on lacrosse experiences kids were walking around the hotels this was the first big time in, in, in uh, what's the stadium in Baltimore where the Orioles play? This was the first NCAA. Play? No, Camden Yards. Camden Yards. This was the first experiment that the NCAA had in a big venue. There were 60,000 people there. Yeah. In the game, there were kids. Everybody was walking around, these young little kids with lacrosse sticks and numbers of their heroes, you know, and the schools. It was like we landed on, an, on another on another planet, and I in fact I wrote a article. I don't know if I ever. I'll will send it to you. Yeah. we'll post it. it. It's on uh, e e lacrosse, and uh, they published it online. And it was just, it was just. I, I couldn't believe it. Let alone my son. Mm. You know that's that was very telling, very telling.
0: So that 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 is awesome and you're we're starting to see kind of a microcosm of that here. I'm not sure if in, in uh California you have the uh the, the big full weekend tournaments when you play five games in two days, uh twenty minute running halves and very fast paced, very exciting, very fun. Um and, and so we attend these tournaments, these really nice venues, they got, you know, ten to fourteen fields. And we take over these these cities, you know, there's, so there's my favorite one is up in an area called Palm Coast. It's um, up towards Jacksonville, not quite to Jacksonville, but uh, I mean, you got every hotel full of kids throwing, having catches in the parking lot. You know, everybody's got lacrosse, their lacrosse logos on at the whole town, everybody at the restaurants. It's lacrosse, lacrosse, lacrosse. You got a hundred teams that converge from all over the state at these tournaments. And there's about five or six of them in the summer and five or six of them in the fall. And the parents are just as excited as the kids. You know, just, you're just, you just want you all you do is take a deep breath. You're like, God, I'm just taking all the lacrosse. It's all around me. It's permeating everything.
1: Well, I don't want to one-up you, but. <laughs> no, I,
0: <laughs>
1: I. I referee a, a tournament in Lake Placid every, every summer. I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. And. Last summer, there were 240 teams.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, no, that's <laughs> not that's not one up. That's just reality. That's Lake Placid. That's, that's lacrosse yeah. country, you know. Uh,
2: bridging this, uh, you know, discussion about the growth of it, Gary, where do you see lacrosse in 10 years and 30 years from now? Well,
1: it's, it's hard to say. Um, I remember when I was still playing in college, or maybe when I first graduated from college, that... Somebody was interviewing Wee Bubank, uh, who was the uh, coach and maybe owner of the Jets, and they asked him what he thought. It was it was in the late '60s. They asked him what he thought was going to be the next big sport, and I think everybody at the time thought it was going to be. He would say soccer, but he said lacrosse. Uh, of course, he was wrong uh I think one of the problems uh, one of the differences between soccer and uh, and lacrosse is you just need so much more damn money to play the sport sure uh, it takes it out of the out of the out of the uh, hands of some of the parents and the kids consequently um if you read lacrosse magazine which is uh, published by US lacrosse there was a Really uh, good article that was authored by Steve Stenerson, who's the CEO of U.S. Lacrosse. And for the first time, believe it or not, the growth has leveled off.
0: I read that. I read that, yeah. A growing problem was the name of the article. A growing problem, yeah.
1: And part of the problem is the the demographics where you would expect the sport to be picked up, That's pretty much, it's not played out by any means, but it's almost saturated. Mm -hmm. The new places are inner cities. Right. And, for example, a guy that plays for me, he was an All-American goalie at at Brown, and he played the MLL, uh, Mike Levin. Yeah, Mike, I met him at the, the
2: event, really nice guy.
1: He started a program out here called City Lacrosse. And it's strictly inner city. He's got like six, seven hundred kids playing already. Wow! But Man. we
2: don't, we donated our store donated to uh, that sort of program. Remember we we uh, we got those sticks, those starter sticks for the, uh, inner the city plastic ones in Compton. For oh, you know, really? Yeah.
0: No, they were well, real sticks. They were beginner sticks, but they are real sticks.
1: They were, yeah. they, uh, they just uh, city lacrosse just merged with Harlem lacrosse, which has been doing the same thing in new york for a long time so i mean that's the places you have to go to that's where the growth is going to is going to continue Well, i I don't think i don't think everything is rosy and and if you're going to ask me i know it's in the back of your mind am i are we going to see professional outdoor lacrosse with big crowds i don't know man i really don't know i don't think it's that important to tell you the truth i'm fine with what they've done in denver with the Outlaws, I mean, they're—is it the Outlaws? Is that their uh, yeah. the outdoor game? Yeah, they're pulling in fifteen thousand people a game.
0: Mm. That's a big Nothing. crowd. That's a very so. big crowd. So we have the Florida launch here, um, right? And you know, you have the you have Rabel coming to town. You know, you're gonna you're gonna pull probably three thousand, but normally you're looking about a thousand, two thousand at most. You know, maybe five thousand on a Rabel game. But but, and that's okay. It's still fun as heck Um, It would be nice for it to be profitable for the athletes to be able to do it Full time and not have to be an accountant Monday through Friday. I think the level of ball would be better You could always tell the beginning of the season towards the end of the season the chemistry has to form on the game field because there's such limited practice time together You know, they get so much better as the season goes on
1: That's starting to change a little bit I see guys out here Jimmy Burrell at, at uh, Palace Rudy's high school Jimmy's a
2: buddy of mine he went to Maryland That's in right. your training yeah. yeah
1: oh so you know you know oh, Jimmy
2: yeah
1: of course he's making a living with lacrosse yeah. you know more and more guys are able to do that Sean Lindsay who played at Syracuse and he played in the MLL he's up at Agora he's got you know youth programs going uh, so it's really nice to be able to see young guys make a living doing what
2: they love. You have to have an entrepreneur spirit. You know, there's always a way, you know, you can definitely tap into the market. Um, you know, first that I saw was Scott, you know, Hockstead. He did it exceptionally well. Yeah. And now he's got a, a new facility <laughs> yeah. at 60,000 square feet out in Thousand Oaks, which is about a 20-minute, 20 20-mile 20 drive outside of L.A., proper And it's uh, a big like warehouse space where it's called Legends. Have you been out there yet? Um, No, we've been out there. We've been we've touched base. We've just been playing a little phone tag. But um, I definitely want to go out and check it out and see if I can contribute and offer, you know, my uh, my services and help the sport and others there grow. But the point is that it's really you know if you have a a business mind and you can see opportunity. Within the sport, there's always going to be something there. Being able to fill in a gap, a hole, uh, you know, it's like almost playing the sport, right? You know, it's just having a business mind from it and being able to monetize it.
0: I think the, the there is not limited growth in 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 a few key places. Of course, Florida is going to first be the first one I bring up. It's still growing rapidly here. Yeah. There's a lot of communities within those key demographics. That are just still virtually untapped, and the the town that I live in right now is only twenty seven percent built out, so it's a brand new town it sprouted up in two thousand four It was cattle ranch before this, and these these ranchers decided there's a lot more money in selling off bar- big tracts of land right near the beach than uh working cattle, so it's a brand new town, and it's it's a key demographic for Lacrosse because you got all the NASA engineers and I mean, I got—I can't turn my head without meeting another engineer, and then of course the hospitals are going up, so lots of doctors, and and so those are your lacrosse people, right? Not—I don't want it to be that way, but that's—that's that's, just happens. They're the ones that are you know jumping in the sport. But so Florida is a huge opportunity. How about this one, Gary? You'll probably know more about this than me. Texas—it Te- seems to be exploding in Texas.
1: Absolutely. There's Can you elaborate right on that? There's well, I I can't give you. Uh, I have an interesting thing about that uh, a guy who played for me in 1968 and at Sleepy Hollow High School which is a team I started at the high school I went to he was the he has been the coach and still is the coach now going on his 29th year at Texas A&M he was the uh, president of the MCLA for 4 years and so it is it's very big in Texas Texas much like Florida is still a football state, sure, but there's of course. kids from Texas playing everywhere uh, at all the big schools. I got on my post collegiate team that I that I run. I've got an attackman from uh, Texas who played at uh, Jesuit. Uh, what's the big school there? The big uh, Texas school. something SMU? Jesuit. No, 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 in a high school. Uh, something Jesuit. Uh, so there's kids all over playing. And Texas is, is a great example.
0: How about this one? I got a very humbling experience. So I, I coach this high school uh, tournament team called the Space Coast Stingrays, and it's basically I combine all the best talent of all the area, our 11 area high schools, and um, you know because we're not, we're no no one high school program is good enough to compete at the state level in these tournaments. So you combine all the best talent, and we got it's great because you got all these different colored helmets, but. They're all stingrays. You know, they're from 11 different programs. Anyway, we're, like, sailing through this tournament. We get to the semifinal, and I'm like, man, we're going to win this thing. We've never won one. We've never won one. I'm thinking, holy crap, we're going to win one. Well, we face a team from Kansas, of all places. Oh, my man, God. Man, we did not have a – they beat us 7-2. to two. And wow. they, the, it was only 7-2 to two because our, our goalie played out of his mind. Because he's got – he was – it should have been like 12-2. to two. It, They just dominated us on every aspect of the field. What age group? Oh, this was uh, U-17. So,
1: let me ask you, uh, how much was the ball on the ground? Was it on the ground a lot or not?
0: It was for us, but not for them. <laughs> and they, they had they had this face-off guy who was like, you know how the rule changed for the pinch and pop? Well, you're an official. Hello, do you know? Um, so, so you used to be able to run with it on the back of your stick. Well, now it's one step. One he day. had it down to a silence or to a science. He would just pinch and pop it, flip and all in one stride and then have a fast break every freaking time. It was just yeah. a, a thing of beauty. So, and I didn't know they were from Kansas. I figured they were a Florida team. I'm like, after the game, it was just a clean game, a well-coached game. Every aspect of it was perfection. So, I go up to the coach afterwards. I'm like, "Where do you guys play?" I never heard of you guys it's like, "Oh, we're in from Kansas." I'm like, "What? There's lacrosse in Kansas?"
2: That's great,
0: and kicking my ass to boot.
2: <laughs> so, um, you know, we got a little time sensitivity here right now. So, um, I want to be respectful of Gary's time. Uh, and he our thinks time. That he thinks I need to go to bed early. Yeah,
0: Uh-oh.
2: he's an old geezer. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I want to just uh, kind of, Gary, one thing: where what has the sport done for you? Not just you know, from a sport level, but from a personal level, like what have you been? What are you grateful for about the sport?
1: Good question. Uh, I will say this is one of the few times that I've spoken about the sport. Steve, you've seen me at the Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. Were you at mine? No, you might have been. No, no you might I, have I been at the Um I normally... Get choked up and cry whenever I'm talking to that's this true. It's, <laughs> it's it's just not a. He's got a tissue in his hand right it's now. Not, just in case. It's not a question of when or if. It's a question of when. Uh, and so, what has it done for me, man? It's it's given me a sense of purpose. It's given it's given me an opportunity to stay in touch with something that I love, and it's given me a chance. To um, keep in touch with young young people, I, I was going to say young boys, but that's
2: just going to come off wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I just <laughs> love I just love high school athletics. Yeah, I love high school athletes, and I love to this day reffing high school games.
0: Even though and, you get yelled <laughs> at a lot,
1: uh, I could care less. It rolls right off my back, really. Yeah. Um, and then at the next level, well, not you skip college. Now I've got all these young guys coming back to play uh, in this post collegiate league I run. I run a league that covers from Santa Barbara all the way down to San Diego.
0: There's Holy ten cow. teams,
1: there. and I I run the Beverly Hills team in it, but I also run the league. And these guys are so effing grateful that they have a place to play, and that. You know, for me it's like it's like a fantasy football. It's I'm like a GM. Uh, <laughs> I make decisions, I recruit guys, I I make suggestions during the game. Uh, these guys know more about lacrosse than, than I do, that's for sure. And so for me it's it's keeping keeping in touch with the game.
2: That's what it is for me. Awesome. Rog, do nice. you have any no questions or thoughts for Gary?
0: Uh, yeah, I do have one question. You've seen a lot of innovation and change in the game. Are there any that have bothered you?
1: Huh. No, you know, it's funny you said that. I think they are doing a tremendous job speeding up the game, getting it back to where it used to be when I played. Jeez, uh, I remember up until five years ago, I think, you know, you came out of the box with the ball. You had ten seconds to get back in yep. into the box. I don't yep. know if you remember. Um, no more horns. Uh, right. The substitution box is longer. You don't have to. You know, you don't take out your d middies and necessarily and put in your your o middies. Yep. You know, the game is so much more fluid. But there's a couple changes that I don't know. I'm interested. I'm interested to ask you when I played. If you were a crease attackman, I'm going to ask you: what was your what was your main one of your main responsibilities?
0: Get open, catch, shoot, and take a horrible hit in the process, um, and and picking. Uh,
2: yeah. I would say I would say uh, getting in the way of the goalie. Yes, being, screening, uh, the uh, goalie screen, screen screening the goalie, screening the goalie. What I did in college,
1: man, uh, when I was in the mid, I was screening the goalie, and the only other there was a rule that we had. Back then, I think they got rid of it in the 80s. If you had a guy in the penalty box, and you were able to get the ball into your forget about the box, there was no off. It was just two sides of the field. If you got the ball across the midfield line with possession, your guy was released. Mm-hmm. So it was it was great. You didn't care if the guy, especially if you had a good goalie. Mm-hmm. You didn't care if you had a penalty because he's going to make one save. You're going to bring the ball up.
0: Penalty you know, over. your
1: guys back out. So they, they've done a hell of a job increasing the speed of the game. And now they're starting to do a really nice job of making it safer.
0: I'd like the safety, too. I agree with all of that. One more question. How do you feel about the over and back roll? That just started this year.
1: Well, it started last year.
0: Oh, in Florida started this year. I know U.S. lacrosse started that. We're a little slow here in Florida.
1: Well, by the NFHS, National Federation of High School. Yeah. Uh, I think it's why. It sounds like the way you're posing the question that you don't like that rule.
0: I do like it. I just wanted your opinion on it.
1: I think it's great. because Anything that forces you to keep the ball in the offensive part of the field yeah.
0: is a good thing. I just hear some people are bitching about it, but I think it's I think it's great. The- yeah, it's a backcourt violation. It's, it's a, yeah. basically, right? It's It's... I think it's smart, and it, again, it, it increases the speed of the game.
1: You know. The biggest change you're going to see this year is uh, the new mouthguard rule. Uh, you aware of it? Yes, sir. Uh, because it used to be one-minute non-releasable, so very few reps would call it because it was just a, re- a really tough penalty. Yeah. And that was just a 30-second t. 30-second tactical, yeah. Either you lose possession or you go in the box for 30 seconds. So I think you're going to see a lot more of that being called, and it makes the game safer.
0: Yeah, what's going on here? and I'm not sure if it's over there the same. The, the, the refs will warn in the first quarter, and then in the second quarter we're going to start calling this and just yeah. be aware. You know,
1: yeah, we do that. Yeah. We do that. It's uh, you know, mouth guards and concussions. That's that's probably be, be, uh, after the helmet. That's the next biggest thing mm-hmm. uh, for prevent you know to prevent the uh, concussions. So. So it's uh, you know the rules. They've done a hell of a job. They really have.
0: Yeah. Steve, anything? Oh. Any final thoughts there, buddy?
2: No, just that this has been an awesome interview. It's been oh great yeah. To get Gary's perspective. I love hearing his just knowledge, his passion for the sport. Uh, he makes me more passionate about it and uh, just more connected to it. So I appreciate you being here.
0: I could go for another uh, hour, I'd love honestly. To, <laughs> I'd love
2: to have you back on again. So I think that he'll be a a reoccurring guest all right no Let, problem let's I enjoy, do that. i i i'm
1: pretty sure you can tell your audience will be able to tell our how enthusiastic we all are by the inflections in our voices so uh i mean it's telling uh and and on one of our pre-trials for this interview uh we talked about owing the sport something we don't owe it anything we, we don't feel obligated to give it back, to give back to it. We want to give back to it.
0: We can't stay away. Not right. capable. If there's yeah. lacrosse, hey, what what affiliation? Who are you playing with? You know, you just got to ask. You see him on the beach, a random person. Hey, where do you play? <laughs> you know, we're all nuts like that. Very good point. Well, great interview, Steve. It's a pleasure. Gary's a pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, definitely we'll look to have Gary back on the program Thank you all for listening. As always, lax on everyone and have a great day.
2: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba Casino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.